You're listening to the official ABC Once Upon a Time podcast. I'm your host, Estelle McGecky, and I'm here with the creators and executive producers of Once, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis, who will guide you through a recap of Welcome to Storybrook, episode 217. Hello. Hello. Hey, Oncers. The electrical storm that Kirk and Owen encountered was at the inception of Storybrook. Yeah, yeah. it is indeed that we were witnessing the moment of creation. And I love the Groundhog Day theme. We actually see the build-up of yeah. everything that transpired before the pilot. Yeah, no, this was something we were been excited to tell pretty much since the pilot, and we were waiting for the right time where it made sense in our storytelling to, to show this period, and because of the developments with Owen in the episode, uh, this seemed the right time, and it was a lot of fun to revisit that period. And we thought we've waited long enough for Jamie Dornan to return. Yeah. It was time for Dornan. A lot of people have been asking when he would come back. Yeah. So I loved the reprise of his role. And even though it seems like Regina is stuck in the movie Groundhog Day, it seems like she's really dissatisfied with what has actually transpired. Well, I think what you see in this episode is at first she's just happy to win. Um, we've seen in many of her flashbacks, she feels like every time she's close to winning, she loses. And, you know, one of my favorite moments that I watch that always makes me happy is part of the montage when she's still happy and you see Mary Margaret giving David in the coma and you pull back and she has a look of joy like you've never seen. But what she realizes is everyone's doing what she wants, no one's fighting with her, and revenge is not as satisfying as you think. And I think that's kind of a major theme this year. And just on that, in the hospital, after establishing that Snow had no memory, why did Regina test it again by taking her to David's bedside? This was the impetus for the curse. And she wants to see, faced with charming, what happens to Snow. And that's where she gets her first jolt of satisfaction, which is these two are in this world. They have no idea who they are. And the cruelty of putting them close together and not knowing, and both of them being in some form of suffering, brings her joy, which is uh, why we get that delicious smile from her. Yeah, you know, in that moment, she's like, I won, but she hasn't totally felt like she won yet until she sees these two don't know each other, and that's the cherry on the sundae. And I thought what was interesting was that Snow, even though she doesn't recognize him, obviously, she becomes a volunteer and starts going to the bedside mm -hmm. all the time. So there's obviously some sort of undercurrent there. I think there's definitely something drawing her to him. And at the same time, I think it shows her character in that when she sees this and she sees these people in the hospital, her first instinct is to volunteer and help them. And I think that even though she may be cursed, her Snow White spirit shines out. And I couldn't help but notice the date on the newspaper in Granny's Diner. Mm -hmm. It said 1983. Yes. So that actually establishes things for people as well. I know a lot of people have asked about The curse was 28 years. It started with when we premiered October 23rd, 2011. So 28 years earlier, 1983. It was a fun time. So that'll quell all of those questions. And I also noticed the uh, shelter dog adopted by the couple that stole him. Did you see that article oh, in, yeah, in the yeah. newspaper? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, that was the lead article <laughs> that day. Yeah, yeah. it was a right. heavy days. They didn't have the Reagan thing? <laughs> the funny part was there was the Reagan thing. And then and on the on side. The, on the side, but then it was like the big article was about the Well, shelter you know, I think you can question a lot about Storybrooke. You cannot question the Daily Mirror. Sydney ran a fine paper. I thought it was great. It was like an Onion reference. Yeah. It's like yeah. that's a headline that The Onion would put in. Yeah. To me, though, Regina has everything that she's ever wanted. 
power, yep. no one challenging her authorities, no one charming her apart so, and seem miserable. That's what Mr. Gold said to her. Yeah, but she's tired of this monotony. So you but, see that development through the yeah. episode. Yeah, that was the that was in many ways the point of the episode, which was as we've seen throughout the series, casting the curse created a hole in her heart. And this episode was in large part about how she discovered that hole in her heart and how she discovered what she needed to fill it. And it started with Owen and the failure to bring Owen into her life started her down the path that would eventually lead her to uh, adopting Henry. Now you realize that as much as she wanted to win, after a while it got boring and she realized that this wasn't enough for her. And I think that's part of the growth of her character. And it was in Mr. Gold's shop that Regina says, everyone in this town does exactly what I want them to do, but she was surprised by it. I think she was voicing her frustration there because what she's really saying is I want something real. I want one real thing. Everybody, sheriff is coming over at night because the curse makes him think that's what he wants to do. But I know deep down he doesn't really want to do that. And when this little kid comes and he's in her seat and he tells her her lasagna sucks, she's like, that's what I want, is I want to make a real connection with someone and I can't in this town. It's almost like a commentary on control versus free will. It is. Yep. And that scene in Mr. Gold's shop, it feels like it's the foundation of Regina's plan to become a mother. Yeah, it is. And that's, oh, it absolutely is. That's where it all started. It is that idea of like, yeah, when she hears that everybody does what she wants, that's when it's hitting home for her that it's not enough, that it's not giving her the pleasure she thought it would. When she enacted this curse, she thought it would bring her so much more. And that's why she goes to gold. And she's frustrated because now she can't can't even get the answers from gold she wants. And now she has to look into herself and figure out what's missing and find the way to fill that void. And that's what brings her to Owen. And Regina's offer to have Kurt and Owen start a new life in Storybrooke in that context seems a little crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Regina is coming from a place of being queen, this powerful person who gets what she wants, and in her mind, she's made this connection with Owen, which she has. It makes perfect sense to her, but she doesn't know our world. She's been there just a few days, and it's like, to Kurt, it's crazy. First of all, just winding up in this town has been odd enough as it is, but the fact that after just you know a lasagna dinner, he's being invited to move here, you know, he reacts like a normal person would react. Right, which is, look, that's great, but I just can't pick up my life and move to some small town because you have good lasagna. Right. Well, and that's and arguable. It wasn't even that good. That's yeah. arguable, yeah. To be honest, it turned out it wasn't that great. So Kurt catches Regina in the act, the act of plotting, and I really wish that he'd in the end crossed the town border. What happened to Kurt? No, oh, that's, wow. no, that's an excellent question. I hope we answer that by the end of the year. Because, boy, I'm sure people would be frustrated. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're going I to... I felt compelled to ask. No, and I, I'm glad you did because I imagine there might be some people out there with that very same question. Well, you know who has that same question, Adam? Greg Mandel. Yeah. Who apparently his real name is Owen. He has that question. It's what will he do with it and who will he ask? This is true. And what will the answer be that he gets or doesn't get? Yeah. Earlier in the episode, in present day, in the crypt, when Regina is burying her mother, Mr. Gold says, time to cut your losses. Do you think he's right? Doesn't he also say to her, you can't have everything? Yes. So I think what he's trying to tell her here is, be careful with your next move, because what he does know about Regina is she often lets her emotions cloud her judgment, and she often, like her mother, goes off hot-headed. And what he is saying to her is, 
I think in this moment is be careful what your next step is because you may alienate the very person you're trying to get. And he did say that Cora had learned that lesson. Yeah. She'd learned that lesson very early on by pulling her heart out. She exactly. knew that she couldn't have it all with that intact. She could not have the people bow down to her and have the love of Rumpel. She had to choose one and unfortunately for her, she chose the wrong one, which you saw in the last moments of Miller's daughter. Yes. I don't see how Snow is fully to blame for the death of Cora though, because it was really Mr. Gold and he implies that Snow was to blame. Well, she's complicit. I mean- Well, I will say this, here's where she became completely complicit when Regina caught her with the heart and Regina said, what are you doing? Instead of saying, I cast a curse, if you put this in, it'll kill your mom. She said, emotionally manipulative, wouldn't you like to have your mommy back? This isn't why she loves you, which is knowing exactly what motivates Regina. Regina wants her mom's love and her mom's approval. So I would say Snow is absolutely culpable because she tricked her using the one thing Regina wants most. In fact, in that moment was the most Regina-like Snow White's ever been. In Snow's apartment, Emma asks Mr. Gold if there is another way to stop Regina. Perhaps they could enact a curse to make Regina forget? Would that be a possibility? Well, they could give her something to make her forget. We saw the potion that they gave Snow White. The unfortunate problem is, is when you give someone a potion like that, it, there is always a price. And the last thing they need to do is darken her anymore. True. And at the end, why doesn't Regina just take her chance and kill Snow? I think what she realizes the lesson she learned in Storybrooke, which is if it's not real, it doesn't matter. So when she was going to force Owen to live with her and he said, not like this, it's not real, she realized that's what I need and that's what set her on the path to Henry. I think what she realized when Henry said, my family's fighting and magic's ruining everything, she's smart enough to realize, wait a minute, they're turning on each other. So when she pulls out Snow's heart, it's confirming something she already believed, which is it's darkening. And if that heart darkens and that family starts to fight more, Henry will come running back to her and it will be for real. Right, and if she kills Snow right there, that makes it harder for her to get Henry back. But because she sees the heart darkening and the family crumbling, she knows in her mind, if she bides her time, she'll get everything she wants. It's the old let them hang themselves. Give him a nephro. So maybe she has learned something. She has. Yeah. So what's your favorite scene or moment from this episode? For me, I love the opening. I love the camping and the storm and the town arriving and the reveal of Graham. And it feels like what we wanted it to be, like almost like an early 80s, like Amblin movie, you know, that time period. And like, and then there's the shock of this town just appearing. For me, it is absolutely the montage where Regina realizes she wins. The delight she has in seeing David in a coma and, and Mary Margaret upset, for me, that's the best moment. I love it how she conjured her own fantastic wardrobe as well. Yes. yes. Well, we have a couple of Twitter questions for you. Matt C asks, I know Manhattan was filmed in Vancouver, but was Neil's intro in Broken shot in New York City for That real? was, yes. Well, Matt, that was shot in New York. We, um, we shot on a number of locations in the city, Central Park and Uptown, Downtown, all Very over. Very guerrilla style. Yeah, but, uh, but <laughs> we, uh, you know, guys, that was a real New York subway we saw in there and real New York streets. We were very lucky to be able to do that. And for Manhattan- It was cost prohibitive. It was, you know, it was cost prohibitive, but our incredible production team was able to recreate 
created both, you know, with the physical sets and with the special effects. It was pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, had, we got the New York skyline, Compton to the Vancouver stuff. We think it looked great and, and we're very happy with it. Cindy asks, is there a prospect for a Bay Emma relationship? Never give up hope. But also relationship, <laughs> they've got one. What the relationship is, yeah. is, is what we got to explore because it's a pretty uh, incendiary one right now, but where it goes and what it becomes is part of the fun of the rest of the season. Well, Cindy does have a little love heart in her handle, so oh, I guess yes. she's got hope there. Hope, keep your hope, Cindy. And she has one more question. How does Balfire know about the consequences that people have to fear when breaking deals with his father, the Dark One? Well, there was all the murder he saw growing up. <laughs> there was the time his father turned someone into a snail because he accidentally cut him. And everybody knows, Rumpel, you don't break a deal with him. And Maria Paz asks, is Emma's magic limited to Storybrook? Ah, well, that's an excellent question. Well, we've seen it in the Enchanted Forest. Yeah. Right. Keep watching. Emma's magic continues to be a part of the season. Katie LaCour asks, why didn't Rumpelstiltskin take his dagger with him when he left Storybrooke? Because at the time, the TSA wouldn't let you have it on the plane. That's true. And they had no checked baggage. Right. right. So that if you realize... But even if he was going to check baggage, he was never going to let that thing out of his possession for a moment. No. no. Not to cast aspersions on airlines in America, but they have been known to lose baggage. True. Here's the other thing. Not airlines that sponsor once upon a time. He has never <laughs> been... And he had never been on a plane, and he couldn't get it through security, which is why in episode... 13, we made a big deal of going through security. Well, Eddie and Adam, thank you so much again for your time. Thank, thank you, you, everyone. And thank you, everyone, for listening and tuning in. If you'd like to be a part of our next session, please tweet me your question to at ABC underscore publicity. Please join Eddie and Adam next week and tune in to Once Upon a Time, Sundays, 8, 7 central on ABC and available the following day at abc.com. Bye.